Welcome, everybody, to the final episode of The Owl Nest. The season has now finished. It is behind us. We're free. We're free. After watching as much Overwatch League as we have, yeah, I'm ready to be done. I'm so ready to be done with this. I love Overwatch League just as much as everybody else, but after watching... After watching... So many matches. I'm I'm done. I'm so done with it. Playoffs are over though. We've all finished. I got to go to them in person. As I as I'm showing off my hat, look at all those backwards signatures coming through on camera. Look at them all. There, I <laughs> I could have gotten more signatures. Like I saw a lot more players, but there were some people I didn't want to get. I didn't like care to get a signature for, and there were others I just didn't want to bother. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, I saw Unter and Hawk, but did I want Unter and Hawk's signature? Not really. And like, yeah, I saw Proper, but he his hands were full with his Rookie of the Year and MVP trophy. I didn't want to bother him. Um, so no, actually, do you want to start with analysis and then story time, or do you want to start with story time and then analysis? Let's story time and then close off with analysis all right so i i'm curious to hear yeah so i haven't told brad any of the stories so obviously i went to playoffs you know thursday and friday on the on the third and the fourth um saw the matches all of that was normal so what it was is that all of the it seemed like a majority of the players were all staying in a in the hilton that's on the lot the same lot as the convention center and so what we did was friday after the grand finals happened uh, me and the and friends that I had made kind of standing in line because we got in line like super early. And so we had made friends with the people who got in line early and that was who we sat with. So Friday night, we all went into like the lounge bar area of the hotel of the Hilton. And there were so many players there. I'm, I mean, like they're all of the Western teams for the most part were there. I didn't see any APAC players. So I don't know if they were in the hotel or they just didn't want to be there. But I mean, I was seeing everybody from... Christopher and Hottie to proper Kilo and Striker, you know? Seeing everybody. So that was where I got most of the signatures. I almost had all the Spitfire players other than uh, Landon and Khan. I never saw them. Which is tragic. I never saw Landon. I saw the other ones. But what was funny, and so I I saw like Dante and Space come out of the elevator, got theirs. I have a photo with them. I caught Jake as he was like rushing somewhere, so I don't have a photo with him, unfortunately. Um, I was the first person to ask Christopher for a signature, surprisingly enough, Friday night. But no, so the best story time. So we were there, and one of my one of our friends had, had ordered pizza, and so we were eating pizza around the table, and Poco is walking around the corner, and we went up. He was with Hottie, and so we got signatures with Hottie, and we had already met. We had already talked with Poco earlier in the evening because he was with Christopher, and we were like, "Hey, Poco, we've got pizza. You want to come eat with us?" And he was drunk. He was so drunk, you could tell. We were like, "You want to come up pizza with us, Poco?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll come up pizza with you." He comes and sits down, and you know, like the the Parmesan cheese and like crushed red pepper packets that always come. He was like looking at him, and he's like, "Ooh, crushed red pepper." let's do pepper shots. And we're like, Poco, what? And he's like, all right, everybody put out your hand, you know, in his French accent. So he puts like red pepper, you know, he pours red pepper out on our hands. He goes, three, two, one, go. And we all put it in our mouth and Poco's like sitting there feeling it. He's like, hmm, this was a bad idea. <laughs> and we're like, yes, Poco, it was. And like, we talk with a little bit. We're like, Poco, do you know what the next Overwatch League team is? And he's like, I'm not saying anything. Nope, can't say. 
but then he like wanders off. He like follows some random dude into the elevator. He's like walking like this. He just like walks up behind a dude in the elevator, and then we don't see him for like 20, 30 minutes. And then Backbone and Sparker come down. We get their signatures. We talk to them. And then they're like, have you guys seen Poco at all? And we're like, we saw him like 30 minutes ago. We don't know where he's at now. And they're like, okay, no problem. And so they go to the elevator to get go up to their room. The elevator opens and Poco's in there. And they're just like, Poco! And he comes and throws his arms around their shoulders. And then after that, they were far enough away that we didn't hear the conversation. But based on the body language and the facial expressions, we could tell what the conversation was. We're pretty sure it was something along the lines of, Poco, have you been drinking a lot? Oh, no, no, don't worry, I'm fine. They're like, you don't look fine. And Backbone puts his hands on Poco's shoulders and probably said something along the lines of, buddy, you need to stop. And then he goes to the bar and Sparker like ta- like turns around. He's like, no, dude, you don't need anything more to drink. <laughs> and Poco's like, no, 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 I'm still going to order something. And we're watching this happen from a distance as they're like trying to convince Poco to stop drinking. <laughs> and we were in that, we were in the lounge for like three hours just watching this. And like Shax was like walking around, like aimlessly walking around and like all of the Western players for the most part, had like just this, what what it could be described as just a frat club. They were all just gathered. And like, after the shock players went up and put their stuff down, Proper comes walking back down in like slides and PJs and <laughs> just goes and talks to all the Western players. It really surprised me how good Proper's English was. I didn't think that he was going to be mingling with the Western players quite as much as he was. But it was like, the amount of concentrated skill that was in that single room at that day was crazy. Oh, I bet. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, it was everybody from someone in Hydron to Proper and Striker. Like, everybody was there. I'm so jealous. <laughs> it was so much fun. The arena was cool. Everything was cool. I met Avril and Lemon and just met all kinds of players. I have Fearless and Sparkle's signature, Rascal, all kinds nice. of people on this contender's hat, you know? Yeah, which is kind of disappointing that it's a contender. Yeah, set. but it was all I had. I mean, I got like, they had like um, player cards, you know, like the upper deck. So like oh, they yeah. had a booth that you could make them. Um, and oh, then I fancy. got like stickers and stuff. Um, but this was the best thing I had for signatures. I was just happy that I brought a permanent marker. I had the foresight to bring one with me. I was basically like the designated marker guy because no one else in our group had one. So oh, anytime nice. someone was like need saw someone to get us, they were like, "Give me your, give me your marker, give me your marker." So like we had one of the guys that we were sitting with was a Gladiators fan. So when we saw Kevster and uh, and Unter, he went and got their signatures. Um, the funniest thing we had that wasn't in our group. There was this one guy who went up to Nero, and he was like, "Nero, could you sign my jersey?" And this guy was handing Nero a Gladiators jersey. And Nero's like, you want me to sign the Glads jersey? And the guy was like, yeah. And Nero's like, okay. <laughs> he signs his Gladiators jersey. And you could tell that Nero was just like, are you really sure you want me to sign your Gladiators jersey? Just the whole night. I mean, we were there till like 2 in the hey, morning. But, but when Nero gets transferred to, to the, the Gladiators, Gladiators, yeah, that guy's going to look. Gonna, yeah, that, that guy's going to be like, look, I, I knew it. <laughs> It was it, the whole night was so fun, and I mean the arena was awesome. And we were cheering for Butterfingers. We did like a ten-minute-long wave that was set up by Golden Boy. It was awesome. crazy. Um, but enough about story time. Let's actually talk about games, shall we? 
Yeah, and so, and there's a lot to talk about with these games. What a tournament! It was so cool. Um, and I think if it's all right with you, I I think th- I would love to start by talking about the top two teams. Yeah, let's start with That's the shock okay. and the fuel. For once, for the first time in our lives, we got the giga banger that was promised. It was so good. And I was thinking about this. So coming into this season, um, when everyone was doing their preseason power rankings, Fuel were almost always like we had them either at, two. at the top or near the top. And the shock, everyone was like... Unsure about, yeah. They're, they're probably way overrated, but maybe a top four, maybe a top five. But most people like on like Reddit, for example, if you had shock in the top three or four everyone would be like oh you're just a shock fanboy yeah it's just a completely rookie roster but then for them to come out like i i think there are a lot of really cool storylines this year and i think one of one of the greats is is san francisco shock as an organization showing look you know even in a like rebuilding year Mm -hmm. we're a top team and I think they really showed that this tournament, and that was really cool. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it helps when you have the Rookie of the Year and MVP on your team, but I mean... Oh, yeah. Well, and let's just... That last match was proper against the world. Like... It, it really was proper against the world. I mean, he was pulling fights out of his butt. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing looked like a proper highlight reel. Yeah. Like, if you looked away and looked back... Like, if you just watch the fights back-to-back, it looks like a proper... It was just a proper highlight reel, and they were just losing maps. But it was finally a map seven, and it was so awesome to finally get a seven-map grand finals because the closest we had was a 4-2 in 2020, but all the other ones were 4-0s or, like, close to. So getting the number one and number two seeds battling it out and going to a full seven. And it was even a, even lap seven was fairly somewhat close. It wasn't like it was a stomp, but it was like back and forth the whole time. The thing that I was hoping for was that fuel were going to win the second control map. So that, uh, so that shock was going to pick circuit Royale because we were talking with some of the fuel fans and, like, it would have been interesting to see how Fuel approached Circuit Royale because it would have either forced them to try and, like, see how good Sparkle Sojourn was or to put Gurio back in to go with Edison. And that I was honestly wanting to see that. I was wanting to see a Gurio-Edison versus Kilo proper hitscan battle, but Shock won the control map, so we didn't end up going there. Yeah, that would have definitely... Uh been interesting to see but alas we didn't nope and i've just gotta say this last weekend was like the best weekend in gaming history we had giga banger giga giga banger giga banger in overwatch league and then final and then league worlds went to five as well five as well or yeah went to five and it was it was so hype like like what a weekend you know like well and like even viewership for like just speaking of the playoffs in general viewership was like oh, averaging yeah. like 160 170k i think the grand finals peaked at like 270 or something which is yeah. crazy yeah overwatch has 
never seen those kinds of numbers as far well, as I Well, since know. season one. Well, yeah, but that doesn't... I mean, it was, this Overwatch Overwatch League is back, boys. Right yeah. at the end of the season, I'm hopeful. Like this whole season has been like, uh, is the league going to survive? Are we going to have a season six? But after this week, after this week, having those kind of numbers and having a Butterfinger sponsorship that honestly kind of popped off for anybody oh, yeah. that was there in the arena, anytime anything Butterfinger was mentioned, we just started chanting Butterfinger, like. Any sponsors who are unsure if they want to sponsor the league, just look at what happened with Butterfinger, and the fans are just immediately going to love the sponsorship, whether it's a meme or not. I don't know about you, but like last several days, man, I've just wanted some Butterfinger. Like it sounds so good. <laughs> That's so funny. You just wanted some Butterfinger. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, one of my coworkers brought a bunch of candy to work and I was like actively looking for Butterfingers. Yeah. I'm like this, that sponsors are like when we, when I saw that we had a sponsorship for the playoffs, I was like, here we go. It's one step at a time. Next season, we're going to get all the other sponsors back. But talking well, again and, about the matches, you know, before we derail too uh-huh. much, looking at the fuel and the shock, I don't really think that anything has changed. Anything changes with these teams. I mean, next season, I'd be very surprised if we see anything change. Except maybe in like the shock tank line or something. I mean, do you think they keep collusion, Mikey, into next season? Uh, I think they could. I think it could go either way. I I wouldn't be surprised if if they changed, but I think as is, they look really good and and I think like Mikey and Collu- collusion. Like, there's only up from here. Like, I feel like. Last season, it was kind of like, I mean, like, I'm already talking like it's way over, but throughout the season, <laughs> Mikey, especially. Season, yeah. And, and it was, they were put in the hardest situations to fill you know, super shoes. Of, yeah. To fill super shoes, to come in, you know, in really without a lot of time, like preseason, they like, neither of them really had a preseason. Well, Mikey before, came in Mike after, came in after, kickoff he flash. came after kickoff. Yeah. And so I think the fact that they were able to do as good as they did is really telling. And I think they have options, whether they stay with the shock or go to another team, they'll, they'll definitely be in the league next year. Yeah, they'll definitely be in the league. I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing with the shock is the shock at first dibs on the O2 blast players, specifically he saying, and the conversation is whether or not the shock will try their best to put he he saying on that roster because i mean if they roll into next season with a proper he saying dps line that is probably one of the most nutty dps lines we've ever seen if he's saying translates to being good in the league like he's doing in contenders i'd say that's probably the only thing you see for the shock is them picking up he saying and pairing him with proper and you end up with just an unbeatable duo now granted does proper stay at the same level that he did this season We'll have to see. I mean, most of the other MVPs the following season, they drop off a little bit. Uh, But, I mean, if you pair him with Hisang, that's a scary DPS line. Well, and the thing about Proper, though, is it's not like he came out of nowhere and had a killer season. No, we expected it. He's been performing at this level for for years, and so I I don't think... Like, most of the other MVPs, as far as I I can remember, it's like... They came out of nowhere outlandishly good like 
the seasons before that or or their pro careers leading up to that they weren't playing at the same level i mean in the case of jonak they didn't even he didn't even have a pro career before that exactly so i think proper is kind of in a different place and so it'll be interesting to see but uh my guess is next year he'll still be pretty. Yeah, good. I'm sure Shank will probably just retool their DPS line. The Fuel, on the other hand, I think they probably also retool their DPS line. Do you see a world in which Gurio is on this team next year? I think that depends on what their plan for him, because it seems like their plan for Gurio was not to play this season, but then it just kind of like happened. Yeah. So I um, think he might be a long-term project unless Edison showed them enough that they feel like they don't need another hitscan player. Yeah, I uh, I think he's definitely the most likely to leave out of the fuel, but um they may just not touch yeah. it. They I mean they just won. So they may just run it back. So these two teams unbe I mean it's crazy how untouchable these two teams are. Like no well, one And regardless of meta too. Like I mean, for the most part, I think each team had like one meta a piece, I think, that they kind of struggled with. Shock but... overall did okay. And in... well, no, in the, yeah. in the countdown uh, the, cup meta, yeah, they were struggling a bit. They kind of struggled there. Um, and then the fuel kind of struggled with. Uh, in midseason, in midseason madness, when yeah. they were tr- because they just couldn't. I mean, they still went four and two that stage though, which is hilarious. But it's like they didn't yeah, look as confident. Like, it's like struggled, you know. It's, yeah. it's not struggle actually... with, with with quotation marks. But I, I is I don't think they touched their rosters a whole lot. The game was awesome and it was really close. So I don't think Shock needs to like worry too much, especially if they try and add Hisang to this roster. That's scary. Yeah. So they're well, just and I think with the Shock being as young as they are. I think going into future seasons, like if next year, if Shock doesn't change their roster, mm-hmm. I don't think any other roster is going to be able to. Like, if you don't have Shock at the beginning of your preseason power rankings next season, yeah, yeah, yeah. Either Shock did something wrong in the off season, or some other team went absolutely nuts. Threw money at people, yeah, yeah. But best of the I, best. I think that's gonna be. Yeah, untouchable Titans at the top. There. Are... So we also we have three other tiers of teams here. So should we just kind of just drop down, you know, in in terms of power level here? Yeah. Let's so the that. next the next tier of teams are the teams that really exceeded expectations in this tournament. So we're talking about the Houston Outlaws, the Spark, and the Spitfire. Which one of the three do you want to start with? Uh, is that a question? Let's talk about my boys. Let's start with the Spitfire. I. I it's depending on who you ask will determine will will like may determine whether or not people thought they were an underdog coming into their fusion game. It seemed like most people thought that they were at least a slight underdog. Um, then they pounded yeah. fusion in the dirt, but then coming into the Glads match, no one in their right mind thought they were winning this game, and they made no. the gladiators look silly. Yeah. The fact that London and Houston played each other. In the in upper bracket, bracket semis, yeah, like okay, that that was. Weird. I mean, it required not only did it require beautiful. picks to go the right way, it required them to both win matches that they should not really have won. Yeah, I I think London has like every reason to be happy with the way they performed in the tournament and and also in the entire season i think Mm -hmm. you know there's a reason they were fan favorites uh not to say i 
you know, called it or anything. Because I definitely <laughs> didn't predict them to do this. No. Well. I did say, if you remember, I was like, something's going to happen with the, with the Spitfire because C9 doesn't lose opening seasons. They always overperform yeah. for new games. And, and they did. They and, did very and well. I, it, it, it was amazing. I think, you know, there wasn't another team out there that was more fun to watch. You know, like anytime they capped a point, it was C9s in the chat, mm-hmm. you know, in, in honor of their organization uh, for no of other course, reason. Of course, of <laughs> course. But they they were just, it was great. It, I I loved watching them this year and, you know, they're awesome. Yeah. No Spitfire. Spitfire in a good place. I mean, they finished tied for six with the Soul Dynasty. I th- just think about that for a second. They placed basically the same as the Soul Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, like, but because, yeah, I mean, they rolled and that over. includes beating out the Gladiators. Like, they like, beat the Gladiators. They yeah. beat the Gladiators and they went farther in the tournament than the Gladiators. Like, and the Rain and the Dragons. Yeah, like, it was, I mean, their win against the Fusion, Fusion just didn't show up, but then Gladiators, they made the Gladiators look silly, and then, to be fair, they went against the Outlaws, who, in their own right, were on something. I don't know what yeah, kind of... nuts. This I don't know what kind of Adderall they gave Merritt and Dante coming into this bracket, but holy crap. If Dante really only had five days of practice on Winston, this guy is... Uh, I don't think we've yeah. ever seen another player say, like Dante. It is, it is a crime that Dante wasn't nominated for, for like anything. For anything, right? Yeah. Like he should have been at least a tank role star. Like he and possible MVP candidate. Like I, I'm convinced. And and this tournament just made that more. He just showed up. Five days of practice on Winston, diffed Muse, diffed Kaluge, diffed Hottie. And then and only this is someone who is still listed on Liquipedia as, as a, a DPS, DPS player. player. <laughs> he is still not even DPS tank. He is a DPS, DPS player, player, according to Liquipedia. Like the Outlaws, <laughs> did they finally? I mean, third. They haven't placed this high since stage one of 2018. Since season one, stage one, they have never done this. Well, they've never even made end of season playoffs. First time they come in, Dante is off rolling on Winston. And Merritt is pounding. And then they ran into the fuel and the shock, which I don't think anybody can fault them for getting... Bo- I mean, they took a map off the fuel. I mean, that's more than the Dynasty yeah. can say. Yeah, that's more than... Uh, most teams can say. Most teams. Well, Spark took a map off them. Yeah, Spark looked pretty dang solid. Yeah, so. it's just like the Allies going top three is... I did not expect them to beat the shock, first of all. I don't know how they did it. Merritt was statistically, I think, the best Sojourn in the tournament. I don't know what his stats were like after the loss to Shock, but I know going in, he was still better than Proper on the stat card. Yeah. Like, him and Pelican were the only two players, I think, going into Thursday or Friday that averaged over 20 limbs per 10 minutes. It was just them. Everyone else was less than 20. Like, the whole team was firing on all cylinders until they went to Friday and well, I can't blame them for what happened on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> it was just so awesome watching them win. Like when they won that shot game, I was like, "Holy crap, we're gonna make top six. And then when London beat Gladiators, I was like, "Holy crap, we're gonna make top three. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the spark. And now, and... Unless yeah, you had more yeah. to say about the outlaws. 
No, no, we're good. We don't need to talk about the Outlaws more. So moving on to the Spark, once again, showing that they are, for some reason, the best APAC team when it comes to international tournaments. Yeah, which is super weird to me. It's like, the Spark is kind of like, they they are the enigma of APAC. Like, regular season, they they were they were okay. They lost every international tournament. They, they lost just, twelve of their last fourteen matches in the regular season. I don't know if that and was. Then they, <laughs> and and then, then this happened. And then this happened. Well, like, yeah, you lose to Dallas, but you take a map, and then you go like on a crazy lower bracket run, eliminating Toronto Defiant, Florida Mayhem, London Florida, Spitfire, London Spitfire, and then taking a map off of the Shock. They took a map off of each of the the finalists like yeah that's that's crazy i like, mean the, sh- the the smart got lucky with a winston meta where they could put in gooshway who was still a nutcase on winston and then true. could once again go shy go kill and he did shy things is it so my question with this whole thing is it just because the sh- the spark fit international play more like if they were in north america would spark be a top team They'd at least be a mid-table team. But, I mean, in the regular season in APAC, they were getting booty slammed. And based off of this tournament and everything that's gone on, APAC as a region sucked more than NA. So yeah, it's really so, hard to say. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, I'm confused about the Spark. I'm disappointed in the rest of APAC, but I'm confused <laughs> by the Spark. The Spark went far. They made top five, four. No, they got fourth. Good job, Spark. You got fourth. Good job, Spark. Good job. You did it again. Shy went and you killed put everything. On the, you put APAC on the map. It was so... Spark were fun to watch because Teru was a menace on the Kiriko. He was probably the most oh, fun yeah. Kiriko to watch because he was playing her like a Genji. Yeah. Like, she, he was up in backlines, like, challenging DPS to 1v1s, and, and, like, no other Kiriko was doing that. Which... Kiriko, kind of nuts, kind of crazy fun to watch. I don't know if you noticed, but there were times that like a fight would be won. Like there was one example I, I can think of right now where London had lost the fight, and it was Kiriko alive on point got a triple. I think I do like, remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just it was crazy. Like stuff like that happened. Like Kiriko is such a playmaker. Kiriko was fun. And this playoff meta, even though it was like really repetitive, this is probably some of the most fast-paced Overwatch we've ever seen. Yeah, like I kind of felt bad for all the new, new people <laughs> watching because I was like, "This is like crazy supersonic like, speeds." Yeah, and and like just the way it played out, it was like, like one way I was talking to one of my buddies about it, and it was like it almost felt like it had the, the like the strategic depth of some of the, you know, more intense metas like goats and stuff. It had like some of the strategic, but depth it was of those, speedy, but, but was fast and, and, and it gave like the whole thing. It was all about like giving people opportunities to go nuts and pop off on like the sojourn or the Kiriko or, or the Reaper. I, I, can i just take a moment to say i I don't really understand how reaper because it's like coming into the playoffs the rumors were that it was going to be kiriko winston with tracer 
But then yeah. apparently something happened in scrims in the days leading up to the playoffs where they went, actually, no, we're just going to play Reaper instead. Yeah, I think... And and I was thinking about it, and I think there are a couple things that Reaper really adds that Tracer doesn't. I think one Kiriko ult is, like, nuts. He becomes Reaper. a he becomes a Gatling and then, gun. And I think he applies pressure to... Winston. Winston that prevents him from being able to dive the back line. Well, because we saw Tracer be used, and it was to very oh, limited it was success. Not, it was not good. <laughs> but it was funny watching the Reapers play, because it was like, when they went to Death Blossom, it was feast or famine. You either got, like, a 3k, or you got your head immediately or taken off by a Sojourn. And usually it was like, both Reapers would do it at do the, it same the same time. time. Whoever timed it right got the kill, and the other one just... Well, and it was really interesting coming in, and and the Outlaws did this especially. It was like with sound barriers, because it was like you either used your sound barrier to counter the other sound barrier, or you used it to counter the Kiriko... Because it's like the Kiriko ults were always used at the same time. Basically always. And then the sound barriers were usually used at the same time, or used to counter a, a Death Blossom. And what Lastro was doing was he was always trying to beat second... And that came back to bite him in the butt against the fuel and the shock. But it was like really interesting to see how like different teams used ults. Because like Dante with his primal rages, he used them to initiate. He would jump in and immediately prop primal. And most of the Winstons would primal to knock away the ulting sojourn on the other on the other side. Like it was like this interplay between the various characters was really interesting to watch and how different teams went about it. Because the outlaws were always trying to beat second and using Dante to zone, but then like the shock were always just trying to beat aggressively because Violet was. If there's one thing you could count on in the playoffs, it was Violet getting beat before the other Lucio almost consistently. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> consistently charging beat like 30, 40 percent faster, and I could never understand why. I was like, "What? They're, his team is losing, and he's at he has beat, and the other Lucio is only at seventy percent. What are you doing? What are you well, doing, Violet? If your team's taking more damage, you uh, get more heals. But even when they were winning, they were doing it. I know. So looking at the Outlaws, the Spitfire, and the Spark, how do you think you see these rosters changing? For me, I think the Spitfire are a superstar DPS away from being good because it's like Sparker was good, but he wasn't like Merit or Proper or Edison or Shy. It's like they because like they beat the Gladiators off of team fundamentals. So yeah. it's like if if the team they are playing is mentally boomed and not there, then they'll beat them. We saw that when they played the Outlaws in. The summer showdown, we saw that when they played the gladiators here. It's like they'll beat you with fundamentals, but if the other team's fundamentals are good and it's just a skill matchup, Spitfire almost just always will lose because they don't, they can't get to the same heights. Because, like, when they played the Outlaws, they couldn't match Merit. Merit was just unhinged. That being said, I think the smart thing, so we have to think because there's two sides to these teams there's, there's the you know, getting better skill wise, but then there's also keeping your fan base yeah. and, and, and appeasing them. And I think not just that, but also like if you want to sell merchandise and stuff like that, like having a fan favorite team is good. Mm-hmm. I think London would be stupid to change their roster unless a player wanted out. No, I, I, I yeah, I don't think that they, they so would I, be dumb to release they, anybody. Yeah. And I think even bringing on, because like, I don't think individually any single player is like like I I was shocked that Hottie got Rollstar because I don't think he's a top four tank. Yeah, I'm being I love Hottie. I think he's amazing. He brings a lot of value to the team. But <laughs> but he is not a top four. No, tank. 
there it is. Um, and I feel that way about all of their team. I, I, I think um, individually they aren't amazing, but I think they bring something together. That, that their fundamentals are pretty, pretty great. Their, their fundamentals. And also, like, you look at, like, your stories about Poco with uh, getting drunk and, and eating pizza. <laughs> and then his teammates came down and stuff. And, and you look at the way they interact with each other, both on and off yeah. stage. These guys are buddies. These guys are they friends. Are. They, like everything I've seen points to that. And I think it makes sense for their roster to stay the same. If anything, just because like, if they were to swap it out, like, let's say you like, let's say crazy proper joins London Spitfire. I think in a way it makes the team worse. It might. I, I think that if Spitfire add any players, they will be European players. They're the only team yeah. left that is like going for European talent. The only change I could see happening is if Poco decides he wants to try and have opportunities somewhere else, or if he just decides to hang it up because he didn't really get a whole lot of play time. And I mean, we asked him about it when we were eating with him, but I mean, he obviously wasn't going to say, like, he wasn't going to say anything. And he, yeah. he, he didn't give us a whole lot to work with because why would he? But it's like, if anything was going to change with the Spitfire, it would be like Shax and Poco potentially retiring or going to other teams because they just didn't yeah. get to play at all. Just because. Yeah, and I could see that, but. So Spitfire, I don't imagine will change, but if, and if they do, it'll be Europeans coming or going. The Spark, uh, they, I think their tank line will stay unless they find an upgrade over Bernard. Their DPS line is fine. I think Alfie, Pineapple, Shy is fine. Their back line, super rich. It's like the, he's their Lucio player. They just need to figure out what they're wanting to do with Irony and Neko and like where yeah. Teru fits in because like they've got a massive roster just for the sake of having a massive roster. Well, and I think one thing we learned this season is having like five players that can play anything within their role is usually a benefit. Like like yeah. I think the teams that only have one tank player that plays everything did better like, than the ones that did had to better swap than them the out. ones that had to swap. And I think going into the next season, I think a lot of teams are going to trim their benches a little bit. And also, I think, you know, when it happens, everyone's going to point to the money and be like, this is financial. But I think there are gameplay benefits to having to just running roster. the same five man roster. never. And swamp. I think throughout this season that and coming into this season, that was an issue we, we knew that this team would have. And so I think going into next season, they might like I, I don't see them keeping. I don't know. It seems like the Spark are contractually obligated to have a full roster. <laughs> I don't know why. That's just how they roll. But but it, it's kind of nice. Like, they're paying more players and stuff. I mean, like, they did just come fourth <laughs> in the playoffs. So, I mean, did it all turn out well in the end? Somehow. Chengun, yeah. I don't know how it I don't know how it happened. I think what they do is they just split their roster in half. They have a Hangzhou Spark. Um blue and APAC, a hundred spark red well, they have one in apac and one that they <laughs> in keep NA. In na and that way they play in both always... regions yeah yeah exactly oh, easy no. i yeah i don't know what spark will do <laughs> now looking at the outlaws i think the outlaws are the most interesting of the three because the outlaws have a big decision to make of what they want to do with dante now if i was jake and i was shadow i would 
talk to Dante, and if Dante didn't have a preference, I'd keep him on tank. I would go all in on Dante and have him spend the offseason just grinding the tank heroes to be better. Because, I mean, if he was this good on Winston with five days of practice, give him the whole offseason to learn Winston and Reinhardt. There's your tank player. You just so run Dante. I, I think different strategy. So, Uh-oh. Dante... Dante plays well when he's when he's on the spot and everyone's expecting him to not do well. No, he's and not so playing support. Do, no, 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 no. Is you make him play support, but don't tell him until like a week before the season starts. Oh. Be like, Dante, I'm sorry, but we joked with him about that. We Brian were like, we're, here we go. We're gonna see Dante on support, and he was like, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna do that. I think that the outlaws should. Now, do I think they should release Doge? Probably. I don't think that Doge has a place on this roster, unfortunately. It's like, just go all in on Dante. Unless Dante has a really strong preference to play DPS, which it doesn't sound like he does. Which he, when, when he was speaking about it, like every time he's been asked about it and stuff like that, he's always said, like, whatever, whatever the team needs. needs. Yeah, so I like. think the Outlaws should go all in on Dante on tank. Keep the back line. I think the, you could make a question of should they keep Lep or try and get another main support. It's whatever. I think Creative and Lastro are good, are really good players. So the back line, the main, those two should stay. They'd be dumb to let them go. And then it's just like, what do they do with Lep? The real question comes in the DPS line. Like, obviously, they would be idiots to let Merritt go. 100%. Merritt is like the best player on that team, like skill wise. Yeah. But the question comes with what the heck is happening with Pelican? Because Pelican only came to this team to play with Piggy, and Piggy's not here anymore. So do the outlaw does it's the question of does Pelican want to leave to go play with Piggy, or does Pelican want to stay? Because I imagine the Outlaws want to keep Pelican. There's no way that the Outlaws are trying to get rid of Pelican. So it's does Pelican want to leave with to play with Piggy? Do the Outlaws resign Piggy in order to keep Pelican? Because it's like, I think if the Outlaws are able to keep this core five-man roster and then maybe sign another DPS or tank player just to, like, round out the bench just in case, like, they could make another run next season. But it's like, yeah. what do they do with Pelican? Because if Pelican leaves, suddenly there's a massive hole there. And, like, yeah, there's a bunch of Korean contenders talent out there, but they're not... Unless they're willing to throw the bag to try and get, like, he sang or something, no one's going to be able to, like, be what Pelican was. Yeah, that's true. It it's it's uh it's gonna be interesting. I think as a player it makes more sense for Pelican to stay, but as a person I don't know if he's gonna want to. I think it I mean I hope he does. I hope he does, because if the outlaws run this roster back with a full commitment to Dante's tank play, they should be really good next season. So mm-hmm. these three teams doing really well. Uh next group of three teams, the teams that did about as we as we expected, Defiant Mayhem Dynasty. Now, Dynasty is could be seen as a controversial one because you'd be like, oh, they only won one game and then got bowed out. But do remember, they played, they beat the Mayhem and then immediately went up against the Fuel and the Shock. So, can you blame them for losing those two games? Not really. I mean, they did go zero and six in maps against those two teams, but then again, so did almost everybody else. So I think the dy- it's like the dynasty just kind of got unlucky with how the bracket went for them. Yeah, but um, I think either way they would have. Like I think they went as far as they would have gotten no matter what. 
Um, if they had been on the other side of the bracket and had played the spark instead, I think they probably would have they, been able to take it to him a little bit. Yeah, potentially. But I, it's yeah. like Dynasty, I think we expected Dynasty to... I mean, they got top six. Yeah. I mean, I think that they did as well as they could and then just faced the brick wall that was the best two teams. So you can't really fault them for that. I think they got a little ahead of themselves, though, in their shot game, putting profit in on Kiriko for some reason. I don't really understand what happened yeah, with that one. Yeah, it was pretty questionable. But they've been known to do some funky stuff. <laughs> yeah, and- they have. And sometimes it works out, but usually it doesn't. Doesn't, but but I don't think they would have won either way. So. No, I don't think. I think Dynasty went as far as they could. I mean, Fitz was doing Fitz things, and Profit was still playing well. I thought Smurf got Smurf definitely got diffed though by Collusion yeah. Fearless, and Iris didn't look as good on the Kiriko as they probably would have liked. But I mean. It's, I don't know what happens with this roster next season. I don't know if they keep all of their pieces. If Profit goes first, what would this be? His third, fourth season on the Dynasty because he joined in 2020. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know if Profit sticks around. It, you know, most of the roster, if it stays around, like they may stay or Soul may decide to move on from some of these older pieces and try yeah. and get some contenders talent in there. And I think. I like out of the teams we've talked about, I think Soul is the most likely to like I think Soul and, and Spark are both likely to have some changes, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if Soul changed over half of their team. Yeah. Know, I wouldn't either. Some, like, big sweeping changes. So they did about as well as we thought. But then so did Mayhem and Defiant. Defiant did exactly as we thought, went 0 and 2 perfectly mid, bombed out immediately, but did anybody expect them to do anything more than that? Not really. <laughs> Did any did anybody think Defiant were gonna do anything in this tournament? No. <laughs> no. I mean they got they got slapped by the outlaws. And then to be fair, they almost beat the Spark. We were almost in a world in which Defiant won over Spark, and that would have really messed with things because then Mayhem would have played Spitfire and Spitfire could have won that and they could have made top four. So good job, Defiant. You figured out another way to throw. Lose. Perfectly mid. 12th place. As it should be. As it should be. Now, the Florida Mayhem did some tomfoolery and single-handedly knocking the rain out of the bracket. <laughs> Which was honestly kind of hilarious, not to, not going to lie. Uh, I mean, they made the rain look they silly. Their entire year just to play one team twice and lose. And then, <laughs> and then get rolled by the Dynasty and then get rolled by, by the Spark. I thought May... I mean... Mayhem probably were just happy to be here because, I mean, it was like London. They didn't ex- probably did not expect that they would be in this position at the end of the season. Hydron was pop- starting to pop off towards the tail end of the regular season. So coming into the tournament, I, th- I was pretty high in the Mayhem. I thought they were at least going to be able to take a match or two, which they did, off the yeah. back of Hydron and Checkmate because Checkmate, I mean, uh, someone. Because someone's Winston, that's his best hero. So you put someone and Hydron on their best heroes, I mean... There you it's go. It's your recipe for success. Good job, Mayhem. Looking at these teams, Defiant is an odd one. I surely they don't let this backline go. But then again, it depends on if they sign two-year contracts with Chirong and Twilight or a single-year contract because they threw a lot of money at Chirong. 
Rumor yeah. is that his contract may be one of the highest in the leagues. Higher than yeah. proper, higher than anybody. We're talking like upwards of almost 400k for this guy. Yeah, and like I feel like with Toronto, it's like the exact opposite of London, where it's like if you look at the ind- individual pieces, they tend to be greater than the whole. And so I wouldn't be surprised if some of these players found new homes. I would be surprised if although and Finale are still on this team next season, maybe even he. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if their DPS line got overhauled and if they yeah. didn't try and find a replacement for Muse. Or if they just go all in on Hotba. I think they should just go all in on Hotba and let Hotba learn main tank and then just overhaul their DPS line a little bit. Cuz well, like I think like we said before like having a single tank player that can play everything mm-hmm. is advantageous. And during this off season, I think it makes sense for teams to figure out, okay, who's our tank player. Yeah. Start grinding. Cause it's like they're deep. Although, and although looked not, I mean, I'll be very surprised if although is on this team next season, he kind of underwhelmed a little bit finale stepped in and played Genji, which was supposedly Aldo's role. He Sue was hit or miss when he was on fire. He was hitting it. But when he was, not on fire, he was getting Very hit. Much not. <laughs> the only thing about this Defiant team that should stay is their support line, but they may not want to... I mean, it depends on how much money Defiant is willing to throw at players. I mean, they may just decide to completely overhaul their roster and just throw money at people again. So, just to be perfectly mid. Who knows? They're cursed to be this way. As for the Florida Mayhem, someone is a good tank. Uh, he need his off tanks need a little bit of work though. His Devo is not very good, but I think they keep someone. Someone needs to stay as their tank player. Their DPS line, Hydron checkmate. I mean, I I think the only argument you could make is maybe try and find an upgrade at flex DPS. But I thought checkmate did okay. I thought checkmate did pretty well this season. Yeah, I I think overall like. It had bad moments, of course, but I think overall it was good. Yeah, I think the only thing that the Mayhem might look at is their support line. Because Sir Majed is good, but he sometimes turbo feeds. And and um, Onimo isn't a bad player, but he's not. He's just kind of there. He's like he'll get he'll get the job done on main support, but he's not gonna be like winning you games. Yeah, so they may, sure. Florida may try and grab a main support out of contenders to try and replace Onimo and maybe get another flex DPS and replace Sir Majed. I don't know. I think their back, if anything's going to change, it's going to be their backline. Like RuPaul was okay as well, but out of, out of, out of everything on this Mayhem team, the most likely thing is their support line may get retooled a little bit. So I think their DPS line is a good place for the most part. So, I mean, nobody even expected them to make it this far, so. Good job, Mayhem, I suppose. Good job. But now for the disappointments. Okay, these four teams. Fusion, the Rain, the Dragons, and the Gladiators. Oh, noe. Uh, Which one of these sad teams do you want to talk about first? <laughs> Let's start with the one I care the least about. Fusion? Hey, Atlanta. Oh, I'm Atlanta. I mean, let's No, start- I... What? Let's start with Atlanta. Atlanta, man, you you guys really showed up to a tournament just to get bopped twice by the Mayhem playing two different tank players. Yeah, it was... It was... I mean, it, when Rain came out against Mayhem and started Gator, I was like, oh, they're done. They're boomed. They're done. They're out of here. And then... 
It it was I don't know what yeah. what happened. I mean, they just fell apart. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, they it was really just sad fell to apart in one way, but it was also really, really funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, pretty funny. <laughs> it, it's it's like America's funniest home videos when there's like something that's really hard to watch because it's sad and terrible, but it's also really really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's even funny to the fact that they lost twice to the same team, and that was what got them eliminated. It was it wasn't like they got beat by the mayhem and then got like beat by the shock or the gladiators? No, they just got beat by the mayhem twice back to back days. Mm-hmm. Um, Rain, I'm so sorry, but man, we had this team ranked fourth. I'm pretty sure in the preseason rankings. That's unfortunate. That was really rain, funny. but I mean, rain all season have been. To put this in, I'm, I saw I saw a tweet about this. In the second half of the season, they almost had a worse record than the Vancouver Titans. Dang. I think they had. They I think they were six and like I don't remember what it was because what each team played six games. I think they were six and six, and the Titans were five and seven. In the second half of the season, like rain were not good. At all, so I mean, them getting rolled out. I mean, when they brought in Gator, I was like, "Oh, they're boomed. It's over. Bye bye." Sorry, Rain. Uh, the other NA team that was also really funny to watch them fall out was the Gladiators in spectacular fashion, mind you. What? Yeah. What was that? I mean, they their game against Spitfire was like kind of pathetic. I mean, yeah, they... I think it, it was. See, the thing is, is. London Spitfire were a fan favorite team. And so the the riders for the Overwatch League approached the Gladiators and offered them a first pick in the off-season draft that happens behind the scenes. And so next year they're going to have like proper to but... replace Kevster. Wait. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the Gladiators <laughs> should have been good in this meta. By yeah, all they means, they should. I mean, Reiner was able to play Winston. Happy was able to play Sojourn. Funny Astro on Lucio and Shu on Kiriko. And what happened? Kevster went Tracer on Dorado. They lost. And then suddenly Kevster's playing Sojourn. And you're like, what is happening? And they just were just co- they were just not coordinated, which is why Spitfire beat them. And then obviously they rolled over Fusion. And we'll get to Fusion in a bit. But then they were just no match for the Shock. I mean, they took a map off Shock, but... I mean, they they flamed out pretty spectacularly. Yeah, it was uh, it was really tragic. I mean, ever since yeah. Potapon left this team, something changed here. Like ever yeah. since Summer Showdown, this team looked they just have very messy. Team. And and I'd be curious to know what's going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. because something's got to be something's got to give. Something else has got to give. Shanghai Dragons. Ooh, that wasn't pretty. Mm-mm. I mean, it's one thing if the Fusion go only win one map in the first two games and get boomed out. It's another thing when the Dragons only win one map and get boomed out. Lip was doing his best to carry this team kicking and screaming, and it did not work. It just it feels like, like a very Shanghai thing to do. To go 0-2 in a tournament? Playoffs to to, you know have a pretty reasonably solid season, just kind of dominate APAC with Seoul, and then 
to make it to the international competition and just got get. I mean, this is the second time now they flame out because I mean, in the midseason madness, they flamed out pretty pretty early as well. Yeah. So I mean, they this team. I mean, this team. It just kind of looked. They just looked like a shell of themselves from last season. Nothing was working other than Lip. Lip was the only part of this team in playoffs that was actually doing anything. Like, Lee J. Gunn and Iziaki were not what they used to be. Fleta all season has been a shell of himself. And then Fate comes back in after not having really been able to play a whole lot, and it just it didn't work. They, they really just kind of flopped over a little bit. But, I mean, in their defense, they played Spark and Shock, who were the second and fourth team in the tournament. So maybe we cut them some slack on that one. I don't know. Uh, but a team we don't cut slack for is a fusion. My goodness. First, you get 3-0'd by the Spitfire. And then you get 3-1'd by a Glads team that got 3-1'd by the Spitfire. Like, come on. Come on, fusion. What are you doing? <laughs> playing League of Legends. <laughs> They're playing League of Legends. They were prepping for the for uh, it Worlds. Was, it was just, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty bad. I, I um, mean, it's a few. Hey, I mean, unfortunately, hey, Fusion did come first in something, though, in getting eliminated. Good job, Fusion. Yeah. You didn't get second. Yeah, that is, that is good. <laughs> and, and, like, I, I just, it's kind of tragic how... Um, Underwhelming how... this team was? APAC just didn't look as good as as the West. As Northern, like, yeah. If, if there was anything we walked away from this tournament, it was outside of Spark. APAC was not good. Yeah, and and that's really sad to see because it's good when the regions are competitive. And I feel like Overwatch has this problem where, and, and I think when it comes down to it, and we kind of talked about this earlier in the season, is having so many fewer teams inherently puts you at a disadvantage. Yeah. Because you, you don't get the diversity of of play styles and stuff and and as soon as you get put up against these teams that you aren't used to playing nonstop mm-hmm. then you it it's harder to adapt yeah it is a lot harder to adapt and the, i mean and the top of apac just didn't match up to the top of na or even the middle of na and uh, i mean dragons just kind of flamed out fusion flamed out i mean looking at these these four teams i mean fusion we already know Carpe is leaving. Carpe is leaving for Valorant. So, but I mean, are they going to miss him? As a face, yes, they'll miss him. As a player, honestly, yeah. not really. I mean, yeah. I don't they think he, he didn't really he have players. a place in this roster. Yeah. MN3 and Zest were doing just fine. So I think MN3, Zest stay. I think they could potentially look at getting an upgrade at tank. Bellis, Rhea did okay but i feel like they if they can find a better tank they probably will their back line definitely will probably be retooled fix the aim god were there i mean they weren't flashy all the time but i mean to be fair this back line was kind of thrown together last minute when alarm passed away so they weren't really put in a good situation to begin with so the fusion i could see being retooled a little bit in the tank and support department but their dps line should be fine now, the Dragons, on the other hand, we know that Void is leaving for his military service. So they're losing Void. I think this team kind of gets blown up. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dragons roster got blown up this offseason. Because yeah. I think Fleta is 
was is a little washed. And fate wasn't looking really good. Izayaki, I mean, the whole team. Like, the only player who they need to 100% keep is Lip. If they let Lip go, that's a then, mistake. Well, and I think if they let Lip go, it's not by their choice. It's, it's Lip wanting out. Lips. Yeah, which, you know, could happen. I, I would imagine Lip has options in other teams. Yeah, just go send him to the Dynasty. Put him with profit. That would be scary. That would be terrifying. <laughs> so I would say a lip is probably the only one the most likely to stay on the roster. Because I think the rest of the team maybe I mean, they've now been I mean, this is now year three for all of them. Izayaki's been on this team for almost four years now. I mean, it's they've been here a while and Void is leaving. So the Dragons, I wouldn't be surprised if their team got blown up. Mm-hmm. Um looking at the rain. Uh I think the rain probably stay I see the thing about the rain is like their back line is fine, I think. They're at, and their tank line, I think Hawk just needs to grind out the main tanks a little bit. I don't know if they decide to keep Gator or not though, because it's like I don't know what Gator's place is on this team. I mean they may just keep him to keep him. But I don't, I mean, this season they played. Yeah, I feel like with the rain, they don't have any, like, blaring issues or anything. Like, I I think it makes sense for them to keep um, their whole team. Their whole team. And, and, like, they could change things, but I don't know that um, they're going to, I, I don't know that they're, any roster changes are going to be a positive change for them. No. I think just financially they they don't have like huge budget like some of these other teams mm-hmm. and I I think it makes sense for them to just keep Ross. Yeah, they they will probably stay. The Gladiators though are an interesting one because I mean they've shown this season that they're willing to throw money at proven talent. I mean there yeah. was nobody that they picked up this season I guess other than Potapon, but Potapon was like kind of proven a little bit but then he left so it was like yeah so it's like they're just they're a team of veterans i mean all these players other than reiner have been in the league for at least a year or two now so the gladiators i think they keep kevster happy although i wouldn't be surprised if they pick up a third dps player like a hit scan specialist or a you know somebody to who (laughs) big boss pine (laughs) coming back I wouldn't be surprised if they picked up a third DPS player. I think they keep their support line unless one of their supports wants out. I I think they'd be dumb to let Shu go, but I wouldn't be surprised if they let Skewed leave or if they replace Funny Astro with somebody. Because I think Shu is like, you keep Shu for sure, and you should keep Funny Astro. Skewed is probably the most likely one to potentially go somewhere else just because his hero pool is like the same as Shu's. It's just Skewed has a better brig but I feel like you could get away with that. It's their tank line that's interesting, though, because it's like, do you think Space wants to stay on this roster where he gets basically no playtime? Probably not. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Space tried to feel the market and see who would want him. Because, I mean, there are a decent, like, a lot of these mid-table, low-tier teams would kill to have Space on their team. 
I mean, granted, it's also a question of would space want to go to a lower... Because, I mean, you look above the teams that are, you know, that the Gladiators are in company with. It's like the Outlaws don't need a tank. The Shock don't need a tank. The Rain don't need a tank. The Mayhem don't need a tank. Um, yeah, Defiant... I mean, unless Defiant get him, but Defiant look like they want to stay all Korean. So it's like the only place space could go is down to a lower yeah. team to, like, go... If he wants playtime... Well, and if he went, because I mean, one of those lower tier teams would throw money at him. They'd throw money at him, and he would basically be the face of the franchise, and he would guarantee plates. I'm looking at, you know, thinking of teams like New York, Vancouver, uh, Las Vegas. Because I mean, man, the Titans, if you put space on the Titans and build around them, I mean, Aspire with Aspire Mirror Space, I mean, that's the start. That's the starting of a decent roster. Yeah. Or you do the same thing with Vegas. You uh, build up around him. Uh, yeah, yeah. It would depend on what Vegas decide to do with their roster. Because yeah, if you just any one of these teams, if they picked up space, it would be an immediate upgrade over whatever they have. Like nothing against like false or any of them, but space is probably the best tank that is not currently getting regular playtime in the league. Yeah, sure. Because, like, Hanbin and Fearless both at least get some playtime. Collusion and Mikey are both getting playtime. Hawk is getting playtime. Void was getting playtime. Gushui got some playtime. I think Space is probably the best tank player in the league that is not getting regular playtime. And so I would imagine that he probably wants... Unless he doesn't care that he's not getting playtime. But someone like Space, I find that would... I would find that hard to believe. Yeah. I... I think... I... I lean towards the thought that he does change teams and he goes to a lower team to get playtime. To get playtime. And they build around him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement there. I would say Titans or Vegas are probably the most likely because Boston have their tank and New York probably want to say all Korean. I mean, I guess he could go to Washington, but I'd, Washington's not going to be willing to throw money at him. No, Washington's going. He might be willing to take less money to keep. No, but I think that Washington looks like they're going budget. And if you're going budget, space is not the part. Is not the kind of player you're like. Oh, we're going budget. We're announcing space. Our tank player. Yeah, that's true. So someone's gonna throw more money. I think he'll go to somewhere like the Titans. So that is the bracket. That is what happened. It was crazy. What's funny is there were only two map fives. Dang. It was the Defiant Spark match and the Outlaw Shock match. Of course, one of the Outlaws games went to five, and they won it. Naturally. Naturally. As it should be. be. Then the Outlaws five map went. I mean, they were like 14 and and four on map. I mean, it was their map five win rate this season was insane. I mean, they were, I think they were statistically one of like the best, one of the best, if not the best team on map five or even on control, period. Yeah. And I think that's potentially even of all time like this season outlaws on map five more consistent wins than anyone else oh yeah i mean if it went to map five and the outlaws were involved you would be like oh the outlaws are winning it like that's just it's priced in unless it was like a reverse sweep so it was fun stuff so before we go into predictions um predictions we're done we did our predictions our off-season predictions I want to, um, so, of course, we were doing predictions throughout the whole season. We predicted a total of 106 matches. Dang. 
which was only, I mean, we were only predding like five matches a week. So, I mean, that's only a fraction of matches played. So 106 games. Obviously, going to the last week of the regular season, I was down two. So I just threw caution to the wind and tried to gain ground and failed spectacularly. <laughs> I fell <laughs> even further behind with those picks. So at the end of the season, you had the most correct preds with 65. I had 60. 61% win rate compared to 57%. Uh, I obviously didn't have time to go through and check specific team prediction rates and APAC prediction rates. You seem fairly convinced that my APAC pred prediction rate is better than yours. I think so. I, I don't I, know. I have a bad feeling about my APAC <laughs> About your APAC pred. preds. But, you know, it might just be in my head. But the only thing I, I know is I'm pretty sure the outlaws may have negatively hurt my my record. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. So, it is that. So, now, for the final part of the final episode is power rankings. So, unfortunately, I re- we realized this recently, is our preseason power rankings were not a single power rankings. So, looking at our preseason power rankings, they were split into two regions. But even just looking at these, we had Shanghai Dragons number one in APAC. That didn't age well. No. <laughs> or even better it didn't yet. Age terribly. No, you want one? You know, here's one that aged terribly. We had Chengdu Hunters at number two. Oh man. But this oh, was before yeah. the well, no, but this we made these preseason oh, yeah, power rankings before, before the Hunters the, blew their the, roster up yeah. a little bit. But we had yeah. Spark second to last in APAC. Well, we I had, mean, we had Spark second to last in APAC. Charge was down okay, at the bottom. If you look at regular season, like the second half of regular season. They were down there. Uh, yeah, that's not that hot of a take. Like, our Spark, a top like two APAC team. I mean, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I don't want like. That's really funny. But, of course, the take that aged like milk, London Spitfire in 13th on the North America side. My boys. Your, our, your boys leveled up. So, now, we're doing a full combined, re, full international ranking. So, number one, fuel. I mean, you can't put... I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> fuel, fuel one, shock two, tear break. I don't think that that can be contested by literally... I mean, they're, they are clearly so much better than everybody else, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, because you had other teams go on these crazy runs. And then you stopped. Go against one of them and just outlaws, spark, same Dynasty, thing all, of all of them. Dynasty, yeah, like. Yeah, it, it and was, because it went to seven, like you can't, there's no tier break between the two of them. I mean, that was literally about as close as it got. But it's when you get into that second tier of teams that things get interesting. Because when we take, like the bracket, like outlaws didn't pl- didn't play dynasty outlaws didn't play spark if outlaws had played dynasty and spark would the outlaws have won maybe it's like it, i mean if outlaws had played spark it probably would have been a battle of which sojourn wins more yeah so it's like when it, when you're looking at spark dynasty and outlaws it's hard to rate the three of them comparatively because they didn't play each other like, the Outlaws and Spark both played Spitfire, and Spitfire took a map off of Spark. So that makes me inclined to say that the Outlaws should be third in this power ranking, and then you do 
spark it's like how would the spitfire have done against dynasty yeah so it's like we have i think i think we put outlaws three because they did perform better against the spitfire than spark did and the outlaws did beat the shock whereas the dynasty did not yeah it was like a slightly different shock but the outlaws still beat them so you give them that benefit of the doubt there yeah, I'd be okay with that. But then it's like, I think you do Outlaws, Spark, but then do we think Dynasty are above Spitfire or Spitfire above Dynasty? Uh, I think Spitfire are above Dynasty. All right. And then I think you could put a tier break, right? I think a tier yeah. break belongs there under Dynasty. All right. So then after Dynasty, I think you could then go, what, like... Because then you have teams like Mayhem, Defiant, Fusion, Gladiators, Dragons. Um, I would say that the bottom... Rain should be at the bottom of that second tier, right? Like, surely the Rain were tragic. Uh, yeah. The Rain are definitely I, at the I, bottom I, of that remaining... What would that absolutely. be? The remaining six teams. Yeah. I would say the top of that one should be... I mean, it's like I want to say mayhem, but that feels really weird putting because gla- I, mean, I guess it comes down to are we just are we basing this off of playoffs or the entire season? I well, because that complicates things. Yeah, it does. Um, and I think generally, like genuinely, you would take the gladiators over the mayhem any day. Yeah, like even if they played in the playoffs, I still would have picked gladiators over them. Mm-hmm. So I think we can put gladiators at the top of that group, and then I think you can then do like mayhem, defiant, fusion, rain. Then am I? Oh, where do dragons go in this? Do dragons beat fusion? Uh, I'd put dragons above fusion. Do dragons beat defiant? I would put Defiant over Dragons. Okay, so then there we go. So Dragons are middle of the pack there. So then tier break between Gladiators and Dynasty, and then tier break under Rain, do we think, between the teams that didn't make playoffs? Like Rain is... Yeah, I think you have to put it under. Okay, so then obviously now we have the bottom feeders. So very bottom... Who belongs at the bottom, the Valiant or the Eternal? Probably the Eternal, right? Yeah, the Eternal. Eternal. Like, I think Valiant occasionally showed us like some nice little mm-hmm. yeah. thing. Yeah. Eternal, but... very bottom. Uh, looking at the top of this bracket, I would say the three teams that you could argue... That there, I think there are two team, three teams you could argue to be at the top of this non-playoff qualification. Those are the Justice, the Charge, and the Hunters. Mm-hmm. Would you take... I mean, Hunters beat Charge in the play-in tournament. Yeah. So would you take the Justice over the Hunters or the Hunters over the Justice? Uh, Both the, teams the are so inconsistent. Is, is, yeah, is they're so inconsistent, and it, a lot of it depends on meta. Um, I think between these two, just because the Justice pissed me off more... Hunters at the, the top? Tournament. I would put Hunters above it. All right, so I then think Hunters, Justice. 
there is no way to objectively do that one. All right, so <laughs> Hunter's Justice, and then you think Charge or above Uprising? I think Uprising would be in the conversation as well, potentially. I would take Charge over Uprising. I, think I would they're... take Charge over Uprising. I think Uprising was good. But... All right, and then, I th- and then I think the remaining teams, I think, will line themselves up, because then it's Valiant. I would take Valiant over New York, Titans, and Eternal. I would take New York over Titans and Eternal, and I would take Titans over Eternal. I think yeah. that lines up. All right, so... I don't think there... You think there are any tier breaks in this bottom tier at all? Uh, I mean, they're all teams that didn't matter. Well, no, but I mean, <laughs> I think it's like if if Boston played Valiant, I think Boston is a tier, is probably a tier above the Valiant, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely better, but... I think but... we'll leave it. We'll leave it as a conglomeration of eight teams that suck. Yeah. So our final end-of-season power rankings, Dallas Fuel... One, San Francisco Shock, two, Tear Break, Houston Outlaws, three, Hangzhou Spark, four, London Spitfire, number five, Soul Dynasty, number six, Tear Break, LA Gladiators, Florida Mayhem, Toronto Defiant, Shanghai Dragons, Philadelphia Fusion, Atlanta Rain, Tear Break, Hunters, Justice Charge, Uprising, Valiant, Excelsior, Titans, Eternal. That is yeah. one right. crazy power rankings to look at. What's really funny, though, is all the teams under Justice are all just variation on the color blue. <laughs> Charge, Uprising, Valiant, New York, Vancouver, and Paris are all just like different shades of blue rectangles. It just, it's the blue teams. Spitfire and Fuel are the only two blue teams that don't suck. <laughs> That's really funny. But they really don't suck. That is really there, funny. There are just a lot of blue teams. You know, you don't really realize. Which is why that. I appreciate the Spark and their pink roster. And Mayhem. And Mayhem. Look, it's like all the funky colors. It's like San Francisco's like black and gray, two. Outlaws green and black, three. Sparks pink, four. Gladiators purple, seven. Mayhem's pink, eight. Like, all the fun colors are, like, in the top, like, eight. All of the boring colors are in the bottom. All the shades of blue and, like, yellow and stuff. (laughs) And then right in the middle is Shanghai Dragons with McDonald's. With their red, yellow, and black. But anyways, that is all. The season is now behind us. The 2022 season is finished. Playoffs are finished. We survived. Um, I have no intentions of doing this again next season. I'm sorry, audience, that somehow exists, that might exist, but that sucked. <laughs> I love Overwatch League, but my goodness, I felt a little burnout there at the end. <laughs> GG's, friends. GG's. GG's. Also, we... since he won't plug it himself, go ahead and check out his new podcast he has with uh, some other students called knights of the d-pad the that link sounded scripted <laughs> the link is down below flash it on the screen boop, boop, boop. <laughs> right right here yeah. literally right here nope Good there's luck. nothing's no gonna sh- <laughs> nope i'm not putting that in there yes i guess if anybody listening is for some reason deranged enough to enjoy listening to my voice yes there is another podcast that i run for byu's student publication over video games and esports which is fun, fun stuff. Just jump ship. Just jump from one podcast to another. Bread's not there, but in the dust. 
We take one bearded man and I replaced him with another. I have a beard? Oh my gosh. (laughs) 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 All right, well, with that... We'll now sign- that we've completely unhinged. We'll sign off for the final time. We hope you, the few of you that have, in, have been with us for the season, we hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the season as much as we did. And I hope you enjoy, hopefully, a short off season and going into next season. So yeah. thank you Jeez. for staying with us for the whole season. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.